It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Panatalan kadakalanya agapawanda yanan wangawanda adama You're listening to the Hudhud of the Ifugao. Telling over 200 stories that are tied to rice cultivation, it can take days to chant the entire thing. And so remarkable is it that UNESCO recognizes it as a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity. Although it's young girls who are performing this version, It's usually the elderly women from the community who lead the narration, and they take turns with a choir in chanting the verses. It's a way for community leaders to tell the stories of their past, of heroes, customs, beliefs, and traditions. I'm Trisha Aquino, co-founder of Puma Podcast. And in this special series, we take the disruption brought about by COVID-19 to consider not just the new normal that awaits us, but a better normal that we might as well work for. In this episode of A Better Normal, we'll have a conversation with two cousins. The first is an environmentalist and former lawmaker, and the second is a human rights lawyer. Both of them have roots in indigenous communities in the North. And they say, just as the community elders pass on their knowledge to younger indigenous persons, so too can we learn from them about climate action. This episode is made possible by the American Bar Association Rule of Law Initiative through the Right to Resilience program. You know Teddy Bagilat as a former congressman who ran for the Senate in the last elections. Had he won, he would have been the first IP lawmaker in the upper house. But way before he was in politics, before he became the organizer of Angat Kalikasan, a volunteer-based national movement for the environment, he was simply Teddy, a QC boy who, at 13 years old, felt like there was something missing. At nakita ko yun sa probinsya kasi ang tatay ko, uh, taga-Ifugao siya, nanay ko naman nila, Paskaya. My dad is uh, full-blooded Ifugao. At yung nanay ko naman may dugong gadang, which is uh, uh, katutubo sa Nelvis Kaya. So, lagi akong kinikwentahan ng tatay ko kung sa Kiangan, yung kanyang birthplace. And then there was one time na uh, I think I was grade 2, dinala niya ako sa Ifugao. Isang araw yung biyahe. No? And ewan ko, nainlove ako sa lugar eh. So, when I was soul searching at 13, sabi ko, parang nakikita ko na yung buhay ko, ang direksyon ng buhay ko sa probinsya. So I asked my parents, no, can I continue my studies in Ifugao? Baliktad, sabi ni Sir Teddy. Usually, it's those from the rural areas who head down to the big city. Kung hindi ko ginawa yon, iba ang buhay ko ngayon. Definitely, I wouldn't have been a politician. Uh, 
I would have grown up without knowing about my culture, without knowing about the uh, indigenous people's rights, kanyan. So, nag-aral ako sa Ifugao, 13, walang kuryente, walang internet, syempre, walang TV, pagkain is kulay, kasi... Talk about culture shock. And one thing that stayed with him decades later is his first day at school. Pupunta kami sa paralan, naglalakad kami. Ako, kompleto gamit, no? Uh, Nakarabber shoes, may napsak, kanyan, may uh, notebook, bawat subject. Yung mga kasama ko, nakachinelas lang. Wala silang dalang bag, isang notebook lang. So pagdating ko sa school, lahat nakatingin sa akin. <laughs> Sabi ng teacher, oh, we have a new classmate uh, joining us today and I think you pretty know who he is. So the following day, nagchinelas na rin ako. Isang notebook na rin, <laughs> ganyan. But that's when I realized na may disparity, no? Kasi growing up with Manila, hindi naman sa mayaman, no? Pero kahit paano may kakayahan. And then yung mga classmates ko sa Ifogao, uh, maliban sa uh, kulang sila sa resources, pero tuwing weekends, nagkatrabaho sila sa, sa church, sa simbahan, as working students. He vowed that one day, he would help those who were like his classmates. But before that, he had a lot to learn. Kasi growing up in Quezon City, kadalasan di makilala yung mga kapitbahay mo. Bihira na nagkakaroon ng interaction dun sa subdivision. Pero sa probinsya, especially sa isang katutubong pamayanan, lahat kilala ka eh. No, you're not just a member of the neighborhood, but you're a member of the tribe. No, so pag may mga okasyon, kasal, binyag, or, or festival, no, lahat imbitado. That's when I started to learn about my culture, about the myths, about the legends. No? Na very much stressing about the importance of nature. May mga alamat tungkol sa mga hayop, sa mga puno, at sa mga bundok. Lahat yun, tulad ng hudhud sa simula ng episode natin, ipinasa sa kanya ng mga lolo't lola niya. Sabi ng lola ko, siguro ayaw niya akong gumala-gala kasi sa likod ng bahay namin, bundok. And then may gubat doon. That's the ancestral forest. Kasi that's part of our culture na meron kong ancestral na forest. Ayaw siguro ng lola ko na tumambay ako doon. Kasi syempre galing syudad. Syempre very curious ang mga itsura ng, ng gubat. At hindi ko makalimutan yung kwento ng tatay ko. Nung bata siya, pumunta siya sa, sa gubat sa likod ng kanilang bahay para maghanap ng, ng saking. No? Pamuntas. May nakaaway siya na kobra doon sa saging na kanyang uh, pipitasan, no? Uh, so, parang curious ako na, sige, I like to explore the forest. Pero sabi ng lola ko, pagpupunta ka dyan sa likod, pag maingay ka, maraming mga anino dyan, anito, bibiyon tawag namin. So, the spirits of the forest. At pag makursunadahan ka, kukunin nila yung kaluluwa mo. Tapos yun na lang daw, parang matutulala ka na lang daw. So marami daw nahahanap ng mga bata sa gitna ng gubat uh, na basta nakatulala na lang. Yung pala kinuha na yung kanilang anino. But this wasn't just his grandmother's ploy to keep the city boy from getting into trouble. Ang pakay ni Lola, hindi lang manakot. There are spirits no, abounding in our environment. And in, in later stories, they talk about like, pinutol yung kahoy, Uh, nagalit yung anito nung kahoy kaya nawala yung tubig, nawala yung sapa. Again, it's an alamat. No? Pero actually, yung scientific basis niya is, yun nga, forests, they produce water 
which actually uh, produces yung mga springs. So lahat ng mga tubig namin, whether for agriculture sa bahay, nanggaling sa mga sapa na nanggaling rin sa puno. So may scientific basis rin yung mga alamat. On the website of the National Commission for Culture and the Arts, Manuel Dulawan, an expert on Ifugaos and Ifugao culture, writes that just like Teddy's Lola, old Tuwali women compose and recite rhymes to entertain young children and make them behave. Uh, well, at that time, nung kinakwento sa akin yun ng mga lolo't lola ko, it's, it's just a story. Pero now realizing na yung culture ng mga katutubo when they talk about their myths and their legends, it's really about emphasizing the closeness of the tribe to nature itself. Kasi pinag-usapan is puno, bundok. Tuwali myths, writes Dulawan, are recited in a sing-song, sometimes stylistic manner. They are epic narratives such as the myth of the origin of rice, or huuwan di nabugbugan di page. This one's narrated during the observance of different rites revolving around rice. Along with myths, legends enable the Tuwali to know about their past since they have no written records. To quote Nulawan, they give insights to their forefathers' beliefs and ways and supply the reason for the institution of many of their present-day social-religious practices. And as Sir Teddy pointed out, these myths provide an insight into the unique relationship IPs have with the land. It starts with the mantra that land is life. Nakaugat yung buhay ng katutubo, ng tribo, sa lupa. And when we talk about land, it's everything that lives within that territory, within that ancestral domain. Kaya nga, pag sa hindi katutubo, pag tinanong mo ano ba halaga ng lupa, they talk about millions, 500,000 per hectare, mga ganun. For IPs, hindi ganun yung konsepto ng halaga ng buhay. Kasi buhay eh. At ano nga ba ang halaga ng buhay? Can you even put a price on it? This is where it gets complicated. Kunyari, merong gusto magtayo ng dambuhalang hydrodam sa isang lugar. Tapos mapapalayas yung mga IPs no, dahil sa dam ng pero yung hydrodam na yon magpo-produce ng kuryente, tubig para sa siyudad. So sinasabi ng iba na ano ba ang halaga ng let's say 5,000 mga pamilya ng mga katutubo na mapapalayas because of that dam compared dun sa kuryente at saka sa tubig na maidudulot niya sa milyong-milyong mga katao sa cities. No? Pero yun nga, yung 5,000 katutubo na mapapalayas, parang sinabi mo na mamamatay na yung tribo For indigenous peoples, ang lupa, dyan rin nagagaling ang kabuhayan. Dyan nagagaling yung kanilang kasaysayan, yung kanilang kultura. Kasi most indigenous peoples are farmers. At alam nila na pag inabuso nila yung kalikasan na naandun sa loob ng kanilang ninunong lupa, pabalikan sila mo. So that's why, while sa amin, we do cut trees, we do hunt animals, We take advantage, we exploit the natural resources. Pero ang pag-iisip pa rin ng katutubo is hindi lang yung pangangailangan natin ngayon, pero yung pangangailangan pa ng mga susunod na henerasyon ng ating tribo. The use of land and the natural resources that lay within it is tied to sustainability. It's about using only what you need so that you can preserve these riches for future generations. There's a term that's relevant here, Stewardship, ang pagiging katiwala 
galing po sa mga Panginoon because many IPs, marami silang gods. And if it comes from the gods, you would take care of it. So while even sa Ifogaos, meron kaming mga individual farmlots at saka mga uh, wood, woodlots, pero ang pagtingin pa rin is ito ay bahagi ng isang collective governance. So hindi basta-basta ikaw ibebenta mo yung iyong woodlot para magkaroon ng minahan doon kasi iniisip mo yung kapakanan ng entire tribe. Kasi pamana ito galing sa heavens. And the law, the Indigenous Peoples' Rights Act or IPRA, when implemented properly, is actually able to help our IPs live out their role as stewards of the land. While it is not a perfect law, andun na yung mga provisions that mandates the protection of the rights of Indigenous peoples, the recognition of their right to self-determination doon sa loob ng kanilang lupa. So it's very crucial yung pagkilala ng karapatan ng mga katutubo na magpasya tungkol sa uri ng development sa loob ng kanilang minunod. IPs really protect yung kanilang mga um, ancestral domain and then part of their belief really is sustainable development. That's Attorney Ice Bagilat, a senior legal associate at the University of the Philippines Institute of Human Rights. He's a senior lecturer at the UP College of Law and is about to launch its Indigenous Peoples Program. This would create a curriculum that would guide how IP rights is taught all over the country. Like his cousin, Teddy, he has roots in the Tuwali tribe in Ifugao. Kapag kasi na-insure natin na recognize nga under their ancestral domain, nabigyan mo sila ng CADT or yung Certificate of Ancestral Domain Title, diba? pinibigyan mo natin sila na yung mga karapatan kung paano ba talaga i-manage yung lugar nila. The World Bank says there are more than 400 million indigenous people globally. But while they make up less than 10% of the global population, they safeguard 80% of the world's remaining biodiversity. And then if you compare the maps of the Philippines, if you look at areas where indigenous peoples are, you'd be amazed that yung forest cover yung covered forest areas pa rin ng Pilipinas ay actually yung areas kung nasaan ang mga IPs. Okay, so ano yung best case study na masasabi natin dito? Uh, pwede natin isight dito yung ikalahan, yung Kalanguya, na meron silang unified na kati dito sa Central Luzon. Alam mo ba na ito lang yung isa sa mga areas kung saan merong positive net forest growth sa Pilipinas? Meaning mas lumaki pa sa kamakita nun. Diba? Eh ngayon, diba? ang dami ng developments, nawawala na. Pero sa kanila, napalagu pa nila. And then, pwede din natin isight dito na magandang storya ang uh, nangyari dito sa CDO, sa Cagayan de Oro. So sa ang mga talaanding naman, ang ginagawa nila ay sila yung nagpapangalaga ng mga water reservoir at sila yung nag-e-ensure na hindi babagsak yung tubig sa CDO. So if we remember before, diba? the tragedy before ng mga bagyo sa CDO, tapos uh, bumaha, bumagsak mula sa bundok. Ngayon sila ang meron system to ensure na mapangalagaan ito. Tapos, actually they are paid. Hindi gaano pinag-uusapan ito. Diba? Pero meron na din tayo mga dinidevelop nga ngayon na sistema tulad no, sa CDO, yung Payment for Ecosystem Services. But apart from knowing the role of IPs in mitigating climate change, It's also important to acknowledge that they too are affected by it. 
I asked Sir Teddy, Kumusta ang rice terraces sa Kiangan, Ifugao? Well, definitely may challenge. Kasi ngayon dahil paiba-iba na ang kapanahunan, bigla na lang walang ulan, so magka-crack yung terraces. Tapos bigla na lang uulan ng malakas, so buguhu. Uh, samantalang noon, throughout the years, steady yung ang paliwanag nga ng isang elder sa akin noon is, rain was gentle. It rains almost every day, but it's gentle. So, that's how Kung sino pa ang mga taong nag-aalaga sa kalikasan natin, ay siya rin pinakanakakaramdam ng tinde ng pagbabago ng klima. It's a marvel, but at the same time, it's so difficult to maintain because we need to encourage current generations, especially the generations to come, na napakahalaga sa kanilang buhay yung rice terraces, yung lupa. As we do here on the show, we ask the Bagilats about their ideas for a better normal. What are good and best practices that we can adopt from the IPs? I guess nagsisimula siya doon sa mindset na kung ano lang yung kailangan mo, yun yung gagamitin mo, di ba? Yun yung aanihin mo. Tulad ng sabi ko, namumotol kami ng kahon. Especially for if you go, carving, kabuhayan namin yan. Naging bahagi kami ng modern world, kinakailangan ng pera. Noon kasi, you don't need to sell wood carving. It was just part of our culture. Pero dahil kinakailangan mo na ng pera para makabili ng gamot para sa edukasyon. So that's why we were integrated into the cash economy. So even as we exploit our natural resources, exploit, pero yun rin, kung ano lang ang kailangan mo ngayon, yun lang yung aanihin mo. So then, putol ka lang ng kinakailangan na putulin. Uh, hindi katulad pag ang orientation mo is profit, minsan greed, then clear-cutting ang mangyayari. Ito ang kabaliktaran ng selective logging na ginagawa ng mga katutubo. Mas sustainable din ito. Kasi sabi nga nila, puputulin natin yung mga malalaking kahoy to allow yung mga maliliit na kahoy, yung mga katatanim lang o natural uh, regeneration of the forest na sila naman ang tumubo. Another practice that we can integrate into a better normal is the mainstreaming of agriculture that's not just organic, but small-scale too, as opposed to chemical-industrial agriculture. Think about it. We deforest large plots of land so that cattle can graze here. And these cattle, their fart in particular, is a major source of methane at industrial levels. Sa mga katutubo, kinakailangan ng pagkain, kinakailangan ng kabuhayan. Pero sa kanila, yung kanilang farmers, farming is more organic, more family or household-oriented farming. I guess kung ang iyong mindset is gusto kong malaki yung tita, then commercial farming ka. Pero kung ang mindset ko is kung ano lang yung kailangan ko kasi iniisip ko rin yung pangangailangan ng mga sumusunod na henerasyon, then ito yung uri ng agrikultura na itataguyot mo. A shift in mindset, and even the way our entire lives run, starting from the way we consume food, is part of this better normal. Sir Teddy is also pushing for the Indigenous Community Conserved Areas Law. ICCAs are places that are managed by IPs for both development 
and conservation. For example, IP farmers in Ipogao make a living out of the rice terraces not just through agriculture, but through tourism too. That's development. But on the part of conservation, they know that if they don't protect the watershed, there won't be any irrigation at all. The community that is fed, clothed, and sheltered by the rice terraces is the same one that takes care of the watershed that keeps the rice terraces bountiful. Another example, says Sir Teddy, is Coron Island in Palawan. That's actually part of the ancestral waters of the Tagbanwa tribe. So ang nagmamanage ng lugar, no, yung mga profits na binabayaran ng turista every time you go to the Coron Island, pumupunta doon sa mga katutubo. Pero sila, meron na sila dating governance dyan. Ito yung mga bawal, ito yung mga hindi. At kwento nga nung, nung isang uh, um, IP leader is, ang Coron pala, it has several lakes. Pero ang binuksan lang nila is yon yung where the tourists go. Pero hindi nila binubuksan yung mga ibang lakes to tourism. Kasi sa nila sacred yon eh. So ayaw rin nila mabuso. Another example is Sagada, the caves. It's being managed by the community. Pero actually, maraming caves pala sa Sagada. Pero ang binuksan lang nila ay ito. Sumaging cave no? for tourists. At, at, at talagang meron din carrying capacity yun. So, importante na sana mabigyan siya ng legal mandate. Because right now, when you talk about conservation, sa buong mundo, the idea is establishing national parks. There is now a very big environmental issue. Yung nangyayari sa Kenya, no? yung pinapalayas, yung Masai tribe. Because they want the government wanted to establish a national park. So, kasi pag sinayaman mo national park, bawal pumasok doon, di ba? It's just, you know, protect the wildlife, no? pero yung mga tao doon sa loob na for centuries they have been you know, protecting the wildlife, pinapalayas kasi national park siya. So ang sinusunong namin na conservation, hindi lang sa Pilipinas, sa buong mundo with the ICC Consortium, is kilalanin yung mandate ng mga katutubong pamayanan and other local communities in terms of conserving yung mga kanilang territories because they have been doing this for centuries. Education is also part of creating a better normal for IPs and the environment that they protect. Remember how Attorney ICE is putting together a curriculum that would guide how IP rights is taught in the Philippines? On top of having a formal curriculum, Attorney ICE says, education starts with the values we teach our children at home. Actually, not just relating to IPs, but regarding tolerance, diversity. Because I'm also a child's rights uh, advocate, no? And we actually published a book on bullying, too. Uh, and ang lumabas doon talaga, yung sa mga bata, ang uh, point ng bullying when it starts, kasi uh, verbal ang umpisa lagi ng bullying. Lumabas na ang pinambubuli nila ay yung pinagkaiba when it comes to gender or yung idea nila kung pejorative sa kanila kapag tawagin bakla. And then, sumunod yung physical appearance. So kung kulot, may team, merong uh, sugat sa ganto or may scar dito, yan. Yun yung pinang-asar nila. So it should start with that. Diba? Yung, expre- yung pag-explain ng mga nakakatanda. Uh, and then when it comes to talking about IPs, huwag natin sabihin na backward sila. Kasi ang dahilan lang naman bakit natin nasasabi na backward sila ay dahil lang 
hindi natin naiintindihan na meron pala silang indigenous knowledge. Kailangan natin baguhin yung mindset ng mga tao by clarifying na merong indigenous knowledge systems ito. Na unfortunately, when people came to their communities nung hindi naiintindihan, ang inakala, backwards na. Meron mga indigenous communities na kaya nila na alamin kung ano yung magandang tubo sa area na ito dahil ganito yung weather ngayon. So tingnan natin sila, baguhin natin yung mindset ng mga taens eh, na IPs are actually partners that ensure the protection of our country. Actually, kailangan bahagi na ng ating curriculum yung pag-aaral sa indigenous peoples of the Philippines. Including yung indigenous knowledge. Kaya na when I was chair of the Committee on Indigenous Peoples, itinulak namin yung IP education which became naman a part of the program project. Hindi lang yung bigyan ng access yung mga katutubog sa formal education, pero kilalanin rin na meron tayong matututunan sa indigenous education. Kasi lagi kong iginigit na mga katutubog, hindi naman sila mangmang. Ang talino natin is alagaan yung kalikasan. Again, I'm Trisha Aquino, Puma Podcast. You've been listening to A Better Normal. This episode was produced by myself. It was edited by Carl Sayat. I'd like to thank the American Bar Association Rule of Law Initiative through the Right to Resilience Program for making the story possible. To listen to more of The Hoodhood, which we heard at the beginning of this episode, look for the video Hashtag Road to Kiangan, Teddy Bagilat for Senator, on his YouTube channel. You can also look forward to an episode of Teka Teka News where we go deeper on IPRA with Attorney Ice Bagilat. Thank you for listening to A Better Normal. If you like this show, share it with a friend or two and please do leave us a 5-star rating on your podcast app. It really helps get the word out about our podcast and helps us continue to do what we love. <music>